This is Joel. This is the audio version of I Believe. Today is September 12th, 2023, and our article is CEO Pay. Should we consider limits on executive pay for companies who don't pay workers livable wages? Before we get into that question, let's let's break it down. So let's first consider what executive compensation is to set the stage for our discussion. The Economic Policy Institute published an article or a study in 2021 that found companies paid CEOs nearly 400 times more than the typical worker. The CEOs even made seven times more than the top 0.1% of the top paid salaried workers. The article goes on to detail approaches to how we would limit CEO pay to reduce income inequality and not damage the broader economy. If we shift gears to public opinion and go to Google and we search CEO pay versus worker pay, you're going to get a lot of returns on uh, with articles on the same solution. To combat income inequality, we need to limit executive compensation. Or those are what the, the that's what our, all the articles are going to say. Okay, on the one hand, capping CEO pay could free up resources that could theoretically be, be distributed to lower-level employees and foster a more equitable workplace. But on the other hand, corporate finance is a complex matter, and the competitive market for executive, for good executive talent is really tight. And so we can't necessarily just make that blanket statement that if we cap CEO pay, then that's going to result in workers making more money because that may, may not be a true statement. In fact, uh, a well-compensated CEO could be crucial for a company's success. When I thought of, thought of this, first I questioned, do, are there business arguments for limiting CEO pay? So first, there's a study conducted by the National Institutes of Health of Chinese firms, and they found a strong correlation that as executive pay increases, a company's likelihood of investing in future innovation activities decreases. And this is because CEO, or they, they postulated that CEOs who make this high pay believe that they need to return maximum profit of their company. And so when they look at what their, their company is spending money on, they might choose to cut risky research and development efforts in the short term because they want their company to be more profitable in the short term. But cutting risky R&D efforts may actually decrease innovation in the long term. And so the bottom line for the study was high compensation packages for CEOs don't necessarily guarantee future innovation success. A second study by the Harvard Business Review found that many companies neglect to consider company performance when they develop executive compensation. And this results in high executive compensation even in low-performing companies. So, so we need to think about how we compensate executives based on company performance. But let's get into, are these two reasons strong enough to limit CEO pay? Before we can really answer that question, or before we think about that, we haven't asked the right question yet. So first, the decisive issue is not whether or not the American people should limit executive pay. There might be business arguments, I just talked about too, for individual companies to limit executive pay, but that is not a public opinion decision. The American people who are represented by uh, representatives in the government should not 
make legislation to limit C to cap CEO pay because that could cap innovation, that could cap competi competition in the workplace. A corporation might decide to self-impose limits on executive compensation, but that is not an American people decision. Another issue that is uh, not decisive is the disparity between CEO salaries and worker salaries. That is not the decisive issue. America first needs good executives. Sound or good executives can substantially improve profitability of their company of their companies. Some of them have exceptional vision to see into the future of their business. And companies need profitability now and they need survival going forward to, so that they can continue to pay workers and grow in lean years. And uh, allocating all available financial resources now to workers' salaries in the short term may in fact reduce a company's long-term resilience and adaptability and in the future threaten workers' jobs because they didn't balance the, the worker compensation and financial ability of that company. Corporations also need to grow revenue to pay higher worker salaries. If, you, if a company commits to paying higher salaries and they're not bringing in more revenue, then, then that money has to come from somewhere. And so that could threaten their long-term viability. As a part of increasing revenue, they need to develop capability. Growing capability means they might need to expand infrastructure. They might need to hire skilled workers. They might need to uh, increase efficiency or have more parts available. All these things cost money. Every growth initiative in a company needs to be led by a great leadership team with a strong executive. And when you talk about CEO salaries, you need a strong executive to lead these efforts so that workers can get paid more money. If corporations need to attract leaders, these leaders with more pay, then that's probably a decision that's appropriate for that organization. Or if corporations need to invest in their business, in their business for growth, then that's probably the right decision for that company. But the American people legislating limits to what any American earn, again, stifles competition and growth. So our decisive question is, should we consider limits on executive pay for companies that don't pay workers livable wages? Because first, let's establish that a lot of companies out there pay great wages. I, uh, executives who lead these companies pay their workers top dollars to compete for the best talent in the industry. I have a buddy who runs a company and he uh, wants to pay his workers enough that if there's ever a vacancy, that they get a ton of great applications because everybody wants to work for them. No taxpayers uh, subsidize wages at these companies. However, there are a lot of businesses who don't pay workers a living wage. Again, the Economic Policy Institute has a company wage tracker, and you can find a link to that uh, in, the, in the written version of this article. But the wage tracker looks at 66 different retail and food service firms, and it identified that two-thirds of the companies on the tracker, or roughly 44 out of the 66 companies, pay most or more than 50% of their workers poverty-level wages. The tracker also says what the company pays their CEO and not, will not be a surprise that executive salaries are very high compared to worker pay. 
Okay, the result of this is the American people then have to subsidize worker wages with taxpayer-supported social programs. Uh, University of California Berkeley study from 2015 titled The High Public Cost of Low Wages goes into highlights four programs. Medicare and Children's Health Insurance Program. It's one that's a healthcare program. Temporary, e temporary Aid to Needy Families. It's an income assistance program. The Earned Income Tax Credit Program. That's a well-known uh, income assistance, assistance program. And Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or otherwise known as food stamps. So the study looked at these four social programs found that the American people contribute $200 billion a year to these programs when we convert when I converted from $2015 to $2023 using an inflation calculator. The study found that 56% or more than half of combined state and federal spending on public assistance goes to working families, not to families who are at, don't have work. It goes to working families, 56%. This was not just a 2015 issue. In 2023, Wall Street Journal published an article titled America Pays a High, a high Price for Low Wages in April of this year. And the author, Michael Lind, has a line that liberals like the earned income tax credit because it reduces absolute poverty and conservatives like it because it attaches a work requirement to welfare. Uh, you can read Mr. Lind's full work titled Hell to Pay, How the Suppression of Wages is Destroying America. It's published by Penguin Random House. It is crazy. So low wages are an anchor on society. When businesses pay salaries less than the living standard, social programs will rise to supplement business wages. And this is obviously detrimental to the free market as companies that should either fail, go out of business, or get better because they won't survive in a competitive environment. Instead, they survive. These companies that are, that are paying low wages survive with the assistance of the American taxpayer. The taxpayer should supplement no business wages. People work to earn a living. That's, uh, if you can't earn a living through work, how are you going to earn a living? Individual workers earn a substandard living when businesses fail to pay them suitable wages. And then in this case, other workers through their taxpayer dollars, give them enough money to live. So, one sentence statement. Workers passing money through the government to pay their fellow, worker, fellow workers is ridiculous. Some might contend that subsidies for low-paying wages are necessary for businesses to operate on thin margins and for the larger economy because it keeps unemployment rates low. And I would say, are these businesses really sustainable? What is the societal cost of supporting companies that don't pay livable wages? Are we going to continue to, to supplement wages at companies because they, uh, they can't support their workers? And so there's a strong case for limiting executive compensation in companies that don't provide their workers livable wages. When executive talent is, while executive talent is valuable, the cost of income inequality compounded by taxpayer subsidies tips the scale in favor of us regulating wages because then businesses will have to pay their workers uh, what 
they need to live, and we can stop supporting them with social programs. Okay, wrap it up. Should we consider limits on executive pay for companies that don't pay livable wages? So long as businesses pay wages that enable workers to secure their needs, we should support competition and innovation. For these companies, executive compensation should be whatever the company deems appropriate for their market. Otherwise, if we're talking about supporting a business that pays their workers substandard wages, we need to think about how to limit executive compensation for these companies. Thanks for considering my perspective, and may God bless the United States of America.